You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. It is dawning upon more people than ever that the mass hysteria aided and abetted, if not created by the mass media around COVID-19, has a lot of really negative consequences. We, we've known about the, the pain and frustration for a while, but all along you've been told that it was because you were making a necessary trade-off. Right? The overreach, the tyrannical mandates, all of these things that I've been complaining about from the very beginning, they told you the consensus opinion that was forced upon you was that all of this is fine because it's necessary, because you're getting more than you give in this process. It's about protecting your very life, they say. But if that's really the approach someone takes, if they say that whatever their mandates are, whatever the rules are they're coming up with on the fly, whatever the ad hoc regulations are that they create out of thin air, it is saving not just your life, but the lives of those around you, and therefore you're not even allowed to say, I'm willing to take risks that these regulations are meant to protect me from. You're never able to stop them. You can't push back effectively. What can you do? If you, if you look, I mean, you'll see the insanity is on display. I mean, you, you can actually find things in the mainstream press that really go down, uh, really go down into the depths of a form of mass hysteria and mental illness. I mean, the COVID lockdown or mentality is a form of mass hysteria for sure. And it can quickly transform into mental illness. The Detroit Free Press has a piece here. COVID has turned breathing into a deadly event and all of us into potential serial killers. That's the Detroit Free Press. Now, that's a relatively serious publication that's taking the position that by breathing, you could be murdering people. Now, this is insane, and it's time that we tell everybody who's going, oh, I'm so terrified, I can't handle anybody breathing. Stop it. Enough. We all live with uncertainty. We all live with the constant risk of disease. You can cut yourself shaving and die of a staph infection, but it doesn't mean that you refuse to get out of your bed in the morning. There are reasonable changes we, we make to behavior. There are reasonable trade-offs, and then there are unreasonable ones. And what we see with COVID-19 policy in this country is a lot of unreasonable mandates, a lot of choices that are made for us that do not bring the promised benefits. An excellent example of this, shutting down schools. There was never, there was never reason based on the numbers and the data to, to believe that shutting down schools was necessary. And yet, during an election year, we all know that this was fraught with politics all along, infused with partisanship. During an election year, we were told that it was necessary to protect our children. Nancy Pelosi, last summer, Hi, it's for the children. No, it wasn't. It was for the teachers' unions. It was so that people who are adults could stay at home and receive paychecks, and the union could say, see what we did for you guys? Now we're going to keep taking those union dues and you're going to be even happier about it or less angry about it. 
There was never a basis for this. There was never data to show. And this is what I I want to start with that issue. There are others as well. There was never data to show that children were at risk from this disease. There was never data to show that they were likely to spread it to adults. Didn't exist. It was all just a fear and panic response. Where was the great sainted Dr. Fauci during all of this? Well, sometimes he wanted schools to close. Maybe sometimes he wasn't sure. Look at the data. Look at the data. The data was obvious, but he didn't want the worship of Fauci to change. And he's one of many of these public health experts who have completely failed us. I mean, they are the equivalent now of the democracy spreaders in the in the Middle East, the think tank armchair warriors who thought, oh, if we invade Iraq, then there'll be a flowering of democracy throughout the region. And it's going to be this whole great new future. Wasn't true. Catastrophically wrong. Our public health class in this country, who are really bureaucrats, many of whom barely even practice medicine anymore and haven't for decades, they have been stunningly, shockingly, irreparably wrong. And schools is just one of the best examples. Do you think they apologize to the people who were right on this? Do you think they say, wow, maybe you're not just some uh, COVID denier because you thought, hold on a second. If Europe has kept schools open the whole time and children are fine, maybe we could do the same thing. Where did they have school shutdowns and show that it was necessary and that it was a good a good policy directive? Nowhere. But you see, it was the choice that allowed the left and the lockdowners to say that they were the serious ones about this issue. They were the ones that were taking the necessary action. And Trump, who wanted schools open as of last summer, was an evil buffoon who wanted to inject bleach into veins or whatever it is, right? Just the usual garbage. And there's a real consequence from all of this. Children have been left behind. Children are suffering developmental damage, psychological stress, loneliness, separation from peers. There's a lot of child abuse that will not be caught because usually The number one place for child abuse to be seen and stopped is by teachers in school. That's why they have automatic reporting mandates. So there's a tremendous amount of downside. What was the upside? Oh, that's right. No sense of normality returning in the fall for millions of families and helpful to Joe Biden's election prospects. Let's be honest about this. You know, the petrified weirdo hiding in the basement for most of the summer needed all the help he can get. We know that. I'm not even talking about the election fraud stuff. We'll get into that. But this was useful to him. Therefore, they pretended it was the better decision. And of course, it wasn't. Small businesses. If you look right now, you won't see a lot of reporting on this, which is fascinating because it's affecting millions and millions of people. Small businesses in major cities in particular across America have been decimated. In fact, really worse than decimated because it's more than one tenth of them that have been destroyed. Small businesses in New York City that have closed permanently, they estimate it's about a third of them. And over the course of this winter, it'll be more like half if this continues. In New York City alone, that's thousands, if not tens of thousands of businesses that employ people that People have worked years, sometimes even decades to build up. They're gone. 
But you see, our media class and the elites, they live in large, comfortable homes with plenty of delicious food brought to them via these delivery services. They can you know, Skype and sit on social media all day, do whatever they've got to do. It's not their problem. They, they don't need these small businesses to be open. They don't need a small business to uh, pay their rent. And they get to feel like they're the great heroes of the battle against COVID. Meanwhile, all of these regulations, the ones that have shut down schools, the ones that have shut down businesses, the ones that tell you you aren't allowed to leave your home. All of them should be questioned on constitutional grounds for sure. And that was what I was talking about mostly yesterday. I think this is disgraceful government overreach. Certainly shutting down churches is is plain letter of the law constitutional violation. I don't know where the government gets the authority to tell you you can't leave your home because there's some risk of some virus out there somewhere. But there are millions of not very freedom conscious Americans who don't seem to care. But does this stuff even work? Before we get drawn deeper into the winter, before we have more of these negative outcomes, the destruction wrought by bad decision making, can we at least have an open discussion because we have a lot of data that shows we've done this in the past and it did not have the intended effect? At what point are we allowed to say if it doesn't have the intended effect, maybe we shouldn't still be doing this thing? I would say it's now. I would say it's long past the point where we should be taking that approach. Dr. Rand Paul, also a member of the United States Senate, certainly agrees. Play clip five. Well, really what we should do with Dr. Fauci is sitting down and showing the evidence on lockdowns. When you look at lockdowns and you look at the mandates, whether they're masks or whether they're how many people go to a restaurant or how many people can gather, and you look at when the mandates were instituted around the world, country after country, guess what? The virus rises exponentially after the mandates. Right now we have more mandates in place than we've ever had. We have more mask wearing than we've ever had. And yet the incidence of the disease is exploding really maybe showing us that what we're doing is not what working. We ought to be open-minded. At a minimum, the mandates are not working. And people that are arguing that are just living in a fantasy. Theoretically, it, it, could, you, could you claim, you know, in science, they'll often talk about well, with, with different uh, medical devices and, and uh, you know, people who take drugs for certain things. You'll talk sometimes about perfect usage versus normal human error. There is no perfect usage of a mandate That has to do with locking down and mask wearing and all this stuff. People are always going to be making mistakes, either intentional or accidental. There is no perfect usage. But even within that, we have pretty damn good compliance with all this. And yet there's really no case to be made based on the data that it's working. And shouldn't that be enough for us to at least reevaluate what's happening here? Shouldn't that be enough for us to say, hold on a second. Why continue to do these things that have real costs? And I haven't even gotten into the drug abuse and the suicides and the depression and the massive weight gain, which makes you more vulnerable to COVID. All these things that are happening across the nation. And we're told, oh, but don't worry about it. That doesn't matter. Listen to Dr. Fauci. He'll keep you safe. It's a lie. These morons are wrong. Accept it. Think about it on your own and you will come to that conclusion. They cannot protect you. Their annoying rules are just 
the blathering of bureaucrats. It's not going to help. And it's going to for sure. And that's why I want to lead with this. Create a whole lot of problems and stress and misery and damage all across the country. The time for this fight is now, not in 60 or 90 days. This isn't, oh, let's give them another shot. Maybe it'll work this time. We have to shut down the lockdowners or they're going to destroy millions of lives. That's what's happening. Oh, I know they think they'll turn around and then the government will make everything better. Do you believe that? You think if your business is shut down forever, the government's going to make your life better. They're going to come in and fix everything for you. They're going to pay all the back rent, going to deal with all the lost inventory, the lost sales, employees that have gone to other jobs. Now, I understand the false choice that we've been given here is, well, Buck, yes, those are bad things. But think of all the lives we're saving. We're not saving lives. People are still going to stores. They're still seeing other human beings. There's still intrafamilial transmission. There's no reason to believe that these policies are doing anything that helps us. Where's the data set? What are they going to show us? All you see everywhere are mask mandates and lockdowns and up, 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 more and more cases. It's obvious. But the people that demanded this stuff and called you a serial killer for breathing like the true psychopaths they are. You think they're going to admit what a bunch of morons they are at this stage? No, of course not. They believe the science. Some of us have seen this for what it is all along. Others continue to peddle the consensus science delusion because science is not about consensus. It's about what is provable and factual and real and repeatable. Unfortunately, what we're about to repeat are the same mistakes of the past. Let's go into another lockdown, another freeze, as they call it in some places, suffer all of the downside. What's the upside? We don't know. But they just tell you, shut up and do what you're told. I'd rather not. Not this time. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest news and information from Buck by heading to BuckSexton.com. It's astounding how many people in certain parts of the country still thinks this is a host or this is fake news. When you have a quarter of a million people in this country, more than a quarter of a million, who've already died and more than 13 million have been infected. And yet there's still people who believe this is not an important issue. How much would you want to bet that Dr. Fauci's homepage for his computer is CNN.com? You know, for his personal computer, what would you want to bet? I can tell you that much. How much do you want to bet that he reads ABC News, CNN, and probably PBS a hundred times more often than he does Fox News or anything on the right? We, we know who this guy is. Okay, he's a government bureaucrat. He's the James Comey of the National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Disease. That's who he is. So we should come to the obvious conclusion here we should stop trying to delay and hope that maybe he's not that guy he is that guy that's who he is and that's why he says things it sounds like i'm watching some of the semi-literate morons who go on cnn all the time to just give their opinions on things these people are not smart but they do what they're told they do what the bosses want them to do they're not intellectually curious they're not intellectually rigorous but they present as somebody who maybe knows something because of all the hair and makeup and lighting and we're supposed to listen to them Fauci might as well be sitting among them going, yeah, you're right. Yeah, all those all those Trump voters who deny covid say it's a hoax. I've never met anybody who thinks that covid-19, meaning the virus that 
causes all of these terrible problems is not real. And yet you all, you hear this from CNN. They'll even put a nurse on TV who will trash a now dead patient saying that, you know, he or she was claiming there was no covid as she was dying from covid. But this gets him a lot of praise from the libs who watch CNN. Oh, look at Dr. Fauci. He knows all those Trump people who are denying covid. Yeah. Have you met have you met anybody that thinks that there's no such thing as covid-19? I I have not. Yes. Are there people that believe the media use it for political reasons? I'm one of them. Other people who believe that it's exaggerated as a the data shows that people who listen to Fauci and watch CNN who are under the age of 50 have about a 30 times the actual rate sense of what the death, uh, what the mortality numbers are for this. So if you're a 45-year-old who watches CNN and thinks he or she's really smart and, yeah, Anderson Cooper, fake tapper, these are the really good journos, according to polling, you basically overestimate the death rate of COVID-19 by 30 times. But that's normal? That's, uh, that, that, that's a, a really well-informed person? No, I don't think so. Why does, why does this guy Fauci think Trump should fire him? At this point, what's he got to lose? Fire him. Fire him with prejudice. Say this guy was a disaster and put out all the things he said that were not true and that we all agree now are not true. All the decisions he made that were wrong, all the bad guidance. And the reason the left was obsessed with this guy, the reason libs who haven't read a book, never mind believe the science, think he's some kind of a genius is because he was useful for being a thumb in the eye of the Trump administration all the time. That's it. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. All right. We're now all happy and cheery and we're going to come together and we're doing gift buying and we're going to do holiday celebrations. We're going to start to have meals together. The family's coming back together for the holiday season. Students are all coming home. Religious celebrations during the holiday season. Yeah, COVID is the Grinch. Think of it that way. The COVID Grinch is an opportunist. The COVID Grinch sees this as the season of viral transmission. All those things that the holiday season brings... They all increase social activity, they all increase mobility, and they will all increase viral transmission. This is the season of the COVID Grinch also. When you hear that holiday music, Marcia, think. Think COVID Grinch, be on alert, because that is part of this holiday season. The COVID Grinch is coming for you, Cuomo says. Be scared of the COVID Grinch. But I have another thought here for you. I think it's important for you to know that it's really the Cuomo Grinch. What do I mean by the Cuomo Cuomo Grinch? The Cuomo Grinch is a very dumb but power-mad politician who takes it upon himself to destroy a wonderful state like New York, but then write a book about how terrible he is, but says that he's good. That's the Cuomo Grinch. I think Cuomo is the Grinch. 
in case that didn't come across. I think the people that have been wrong all along here and know that they'll be never taken seriously again if they reverse course at this point. So what do they do? They double down. More restrictions, more lockdowns. Uh, it's like I've told you all along. Just go back uh, a week or so if you want. You listen to some of the shows I did right before Thanksgiving. It wasn't going to be just Thanksgiving, right? So why'd they pretend? Why do they keep doing this? Two more weeks, they say. Just this day. Just this holiday. Don't see anyone. Don't do anything. Well, it's because if they told us what they really want, which is don't do anything for at least the next 90 days. Don't see anybody. Only go for the bare essentials, the grocery store. If you can, send somebody else in your place. And that's for the whole country. That's not place by place, area by area. It's for everybody. New York City had effectively zero COVID risk to folks over the summer. I mean, close to zero, I should say. It was not really a problem health-wise. And everyone was still running around with masks on. We had all these mandates and all these challenges. So, okay, what does that tell us? Tells us that this is not based in what's really happening. It's based in a narrative that there are people who believe quite clearly that the more they do in terms of the extreme responses to this, the better they are as people. But they also don't really do it themselves. They just want to make sure you do it right. So they're on board for the extreme stuff. But behind closed doors, we find out again and again, they're not really going to do these things. Right. They just want you to do it. This is a perfect example of it. Just hours after L.A. County Supervisor uh, Sheila Cool, I don't know how you say her name, Quell Cool, banned outdoor diners. She voted to ban outdoor dining in Los Angeles County, and she described it as a, quote, most dangerous situation hours after she voted to cancel outdoor dining because it was so dangerous. The Fox affiliate in L.A. found out and has proof that she dined outdoors at Il Forno Trattoria in Santa Monica. It's a nice place. That's what you're dealing with. That's the essence of the lockdowner. Give a big speech about how, oh, it's so dangerous. Don't go outside to eat. Don't see your loved ones. Don't hug anybody. And we're going to bring the state down on your head. We're going to arrest you if you try. And then they go, hmm, pasta. I'm going to go get some spaghetti. And they sit outdoors and they ignore all of it. That's what happens. And how many times do you have to see this occur before everyone just realizes this is our reality? There is no other reality. There's no other way that these individuals are dealing with this. They want rules for you that they do not want for themselves. Simple. Simple. Just like Marxists, right? Oh, it's all about the redistribution of wealth and People don't need more than exactly what they need. We're going to take from you to give it to others. But I mean, the people who run that system are always getting better health care, living in big houses, have near unlimited power. Right. That's the way that's the real way. I mean, they're the elite. The elite has to be living a better life than you. You're supposed to sacrifice for the greater good. They're supposed to be the greater good. They live the greater good. Ah, so, yeah, just another one. I mean, I've never heard of this L.A. County supervisor before, but I thought you should hear it, that this is uh, we, we could sit here all day and just talk about all the examples of I mean, Gavin Newsom, that the French laundry. And that's just in California. Countless times we've seen this play out. You know, how many funerals were allowed for John Lewis when the pandemic was really raging through Georgia? But, you know, you don't need to quarantine if you went to that. You're safe from the virus if you went to that. 
Now, the virus doesn't care about government business. The virus doesn't care about someone's legacy. But you're seeing all the hypocrisy. Really, all of the dysfunctions of the liberal mind are on display during this whole thing. Their inability to think for themselves, their rejection of universally uh, applied principle, their embrace of hypocrisy, their obsession with virtue signaling. You're seeing everything you need right now on this one issue from libs to understand how they approach everything. It's a mindset. It's their view of the world. It's what their political philosophy mixed with their cultural influences, mixed with their sense of self, all put together gives you this. People who act like there wasn't a big debate over whether to close schools or not and act like they weren't wrong. The school closers were wrong. Full stop. Period. As Joe Biden likes to say. But now now they're going to go to the other the other side of this as well and start to say, fine, you think you're going to live your life irrespective of the mandates? Think again. We're going to shame you now into continuing to obey us even though a rational view of this would tell you that we don't know what the hell we're doing. Play 16. You want to be a tough guy? Guy being gender neutral? I'll tell you what a tough guy does. Go volunteer in a field hospital in Staten Island and help COVID patients if you're a tough guy. You want to celebrate Thanksgiving? Bring your whole family and your extended family and go volunteer in a hospital and help COVID people. That's how you celebrate Thanksgiving. Don't create more COVID positive people, and then expect other people to come to your rescue. That's not the spirit of Thanksgiving. Oh, so so we should all then go and add to the people exposed to COVID in a nosocomial setting, a hospital infection setting, hospital infection. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a brilliant idea, right? And I'll also point out to you, you see what those you see what healthcare providers who are really dealing with COVID patients, you see how they're all suited up and the procedures they go through, you'll notice it's not a bandana around their face. Yeah, almost like the people that really have to make the calls about this, that really have to get it right, understand that, hmm, wearing that gator around your nose and mouth, if you're going to be in close contact with people who have COVID on a regular basis, is insufficient. But that's so strange because... I thought that they were more effective even than a vaccine, according to the head of the CDC. And no intelligent person, if they get a vaccine that's over 95 percent effective, is going to be going around particularly worried about COVID anymore. Right. But they're not just wearing the masks. Hmm. You see, it's it's all it's all just this funhouse mirror existence we're dealing with now. Nothing is what it seems. What they tell you is not true. What they tell you is false is true. They are just they're so used to having a society that is politicized and emotional and angry and disoriented that we'll just do whatever we'll do whatever they say. We'll do whatever they say. See, what Cuomo never factors in, what none of these people that are telling you what to do factor in is that for every person that their mandates might prevent from being around other people. There are a thousand people, maybe 10,000 people who are healthy, can't give it to anyone, have no risk whatsoever, and their lives are being infringed on. So this this is why the quarantine, the healthy plan, that which is at the essence of lockdown, was such a travesty from the very beginning. Because now it's we live in a society where everyone has to act like 
they have COVID all the time. That's the policy. It's not if you're sick, if you get a test that's positive, it's everybody. We're all acting like we have COVID all the time. Dr. Burke said if you travel, and she kind of let this one out. By the way, she's not really any better than Fauci. Disappointed in her, too. Uh, Act like you have COVID if you traveled. Yeah, that's really helpful right now, isn't it? That's really helpful. Act like you have COVID if you traveled. I'm going to tell you something. I traveled to North Carolina, was at a large event with hundreds of people. I told them I I was willing to wear a mask because there were a lot of senior citizens there. And I didn't want anyone to feel uncomfortable, uncomfortable. I didn't want anyone to be in a position where they could be at risk. So I came back, though, and and they said, "Okay, we're going to send you for a covid test. I went to my went to my GP, sent me for a covid test. And they wanted me to be in this very long line of people, including a line that stretched indoors, full of people getting tested for covid. I'm just going to put this out there. Being in a line with people worried about having covid when I'm pretty damn sure I don't have covid isn't exactly a great covid prevention strategy, is it? But whatever you do, they don't want you to think for yourself. They don't want you to do anything other than what you're told. Obey is the sum total now of their covid policy. Obey people like Governor Cuomo and Governor Newsom and Whitmer. Listen to Nancy Pelosi, who last summer was saying that shutting down schools was about the children. I mean, she is a she's a conniving moron, successful in what she does because she's so dumb and ruthless that she'll do whatever it takes. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, what's the latest is Joe Manchin needs to go have a discussion with Nancy Pelosi, who has been fundamentally unserious in a way that's irresponsible and, quite frankly, disgusting, that she resumes the House, puts the House back in session. And what are the bills she puts forward uh, about legalizing marijuana, about going after Tiger King and and, and regulating uh, the the, um, use of tigers instead of focusing on the American people and the relief that's needed? Her stimulus bill was chock full of, guess what, mail-in voting regulations to try to secure Democrat power in the halls of Congress. While this president said, Nancy Pelosi, you won't negotiate with me. Well, guess what? I'll do protections from evictions. I'll do more funding uh, for for unemployment insurance via executive order. He's been serious while Nancy Pelosi has been derelicting in her duty. She does not deserve to be speaker ever again. It's true she doesn't deserve to be speaker, but in the Democrat circles, unfortunately, all of Pelosi's perfidious conduct, all of her disgraceful actions are actually a selling point. She'll do whatever to get what her side wants, whatever suffering is necessary. Those of you who haven't gotten checks, despite the fact that your business has suffered, that you may be out of a job because of government policy, not because of you, because of what the government decided for you. No different than if they sent in FBI agents that said, sorry, too too dangerous for you to be running this lawnmower store. Got to shut it down. Right. So the government owes you. But if you haven't gotten a check in quite a while and if you've been waiting for that assistance and haven't received it, I think it's important that you understand that it's because Nancy Pelosi has priorities and you are not one of them. Any American, not one of them. She wants things for her side. She has power in her sights and anything that would get in the way of that, anything that would slow that down is a problem. It's something that she views as well. It must it must be removed from the equation. And that's why we don't have a covid relief bill. That's why we don't have uh, the funding going out there that that should have already happened. But it's not. And because they're they're also so focused 
on trying to break Trump and his supporters. Now, this is a whole other component of, of our discussion today. You know, there's there's the realities of the voter fraud and the irregularities and just the shock of what we're supposed to accept here from this Biden, this alleged Biden victory. And then there's also the we remember 2016 and not just for a few weeks after the election. We remember what they did for the entirety of Trump's time in office. So, you know, they can say all of these things and they're doing it now. And they're, you know, the the viewers, the lib viewers of these moron shows on CNN and and ABC. I mean, the view really, uh, you know, it would be really fun to play like a game of not even trivial pursuit. Just let's give everyone on the view a, a fifth grade civics test and see how they do that. That would be something I'd really like to see. But they still weigh in on all of this and they tell the left, they tell the Democrats what they want to hear. Uh, here's one of the hosts, Sonny Hostin, with the usual play, play 13. They really attacked black constituents, black voters. That was that was the plan. And it just didn't work, probably because of people like Latasha Brown and Stacey Abrams. Right. So I think that's where some of the surprise is coming from. Um, and I, I think, you know, what's also fascinating. He, he just needs to go to Losers Anonymous like he is 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 really in a psychosis right now. And I'm surprised that the people around him, like his daughter, like Jared Kushner, who somehow is on his way to the Middle East. I, I don't understand why he has to go to the Middle East today, but um, or, or this week, I, I think that they need to stage some sort of intervention at this point because he is now damaging the Republican Party even further with with all of this rhetoric. We're not worried about that. Thanks. Thanks for the advice. First of all, she says that there was an attack on black voters from Trump. Trump just set the 60 year GOP record for black support in a presidential election. OK, so I, I don't think that the, the media, you notice, they were saying something before, clearly was dumb analysis. They don't know what they're talking about. And now they just stay with the same thing. Why, why admit you were wrong when you can just keep telling your idiot viewers the same thing? But that Trump needs to go to Losers Anonymous. Do they think we don't remember that they, they, they did so much worse than claim fraud in election? They used deep state Hillary Clinton acolytes, operatives, and they then ran a, a coup operation against the president from within his own government. And they got the establishment of this special counsel and all of this. They really think we don't remember. They really think that we're going to forget that. As far as I'm concerned, the more these lawsuits and the more these challenges aggravate the libs, you know, annoy them, make them feel like their victory wasn't as clean as they, they want to pretend it was good. Deal with it, libs. We're dealing with the fact that you want us to believe Biden won 80 million votes. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest news and information from Buck by heading to BuckSexton.com. A lot of what the media insists you believe is in direct opposition to what you observe. You have to remember this. You have to keep this in the back of your mind. Uh, we'll use the term gaslighting for this, which is a, a good one. It's accurate. But you should remember that they they have a particular fondness for trying to get liberals, people on the left to believe things that no person who's paying attention to what they actually notice and observe could think is true. But what, what a great way to establish your control over individuals. What a great way to mobilize when you have them uh, pretending that 
their own senses cannot be trusted, that whatever you tell them is what's most important. And, and I know this is a, a little thing. I, I know this is not some uh, major national security issue, but I, I thought it was worth taking a break for a second from all these intense COVID issues and everything else to talk about it. There was this uh, this kicker at Vanderbilt. You know, I, I almost went to Vanderbilt. I probably should have. I think I would have had a much better time there. A little bit less of a left wing. I know it's li- liberal. All these colleges are. But I mean, Amherst, Amherst pretends to be Amherst College pretends to be a traditional enough New England college. And it's really just commieville. I mean, just Marxist running the whole place. It's absurd. The identity politics, diversity, obsession, the hatred of America. We're basically Hitler because of our foreign policy, all that stuff. It's all at Amherst. It's all there. So I would hope that Vanderbilt, I don't know, maybe it's just as bad now. Anyway, there was this kicker, Sarah Fuller, and she was the first. I don't, I don't even know. I'm just going to tell you this and people get mad at me. I don't watch college football. It's not because maybe because I went to a small school with a terrible football team. So nobody cares. Um, but I, I don't understand. If I'm going to watch football, I watch professional football. But that's me. Look, you want to watch college? That's great. I know a lot of people love college football. Uh, but this woman, Sarah Fuller, was the first female kicker to take part in a producer mark. What was it? A big pack five, big eight or something. What is it called? The, the power five, a power five conference game. Power five. Thank you. Power five. Is that is that, how good is that as a conference? It, the power five means the top five conferences in college football. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So in one of the five best conferences, okay. Which doesn't sound that impressive to me, but I mean, I guess it's pretty good. So I know Vanderbilt's not a particularly good school for football. That I do know. And they lost the game, I think, 40-something to nothing. I mean, it was not, not, a, good, uh, uh, you know, not, not a good moment. So, so we're supposed to celebrate this. Now, I watched the video of the kick, and I'm not a huge football fan, but I know enough about football. I watched the video of the kick, and, and the truth is that you could have picked a person at random, an able-bodied male at random from the crowd, who I think would have kicked it further. That's just fair. And I don't mean... A person who is a football player or even an athlete. I think if you pick your average, you know, 45 year old dad with a little bit of a beer belly who loves football, I think he would have kicked it further. Now, this isn't a surprise to me at all, because I also understand that male and female and female biology, physicality, uh, strength, bone density, all of these things are different. We are different. We are biologically distinct. I know the left wants to try to erase these things. I know the left wants to pretend that gender is just an idea. It's a social construct. This is lunacy, but it's necessary for a lot of reasons. I mean, the Marxists have always waged war on the idea of a traditional family, and they've waged war on the idea of the separation of genders and also the bond between the genders that men and women. I mean, if you go into the the early Marxist literature, uh, First of all, a lot of these guys conducted their own lives in a horrible fashion. To start with that. Um, but they don't like the idea of of a close familial bond, because as much as I may be a patriot, as much as I may love the state, I love my family more. And that's unacceptable to a radical Marxist. No, that you can't you can't have a closer bond with your family or your spouse than you do with the state. So they've been waging this long term war on on gender and on family. And it's not new. Um, But also they like to use the difference between the sexes as though there's almost a kind of wealth inequality that has to be addressed. Right. Any inequality must be addressed by the state. That's a a I guess you could call it a value. It's a it's a concept, certainly within Marxism. 
right? Any inequality must be addressed. Men and women are not in the aggregate. There are some exceptions to this. And I know people like to say, oh, but I know this woman who, I mean, if you're an able-bodied, uh, 200 pounds, six foot tall male, or even, you know, whatever, 5, 10, 100, I think the average American male is like 5, 10, 180 pounds, something like that. Or maybe, I don't know, I'm making that up. But you would, if you have some basic athletic skills, be able to play uh, female college athletics pretty easily, right? That's that's just the, the fact. I mean, I don't ever go, oh, no, that's terrible. It's, I mean, I remember, you know, men's and men's and women's crew, for example. I rode crew in college, and that, that's very straightforward. It's like track. I mean, you see the differences in the times. You see the differences in the boat speed. And, you know, if you're a decent high school rower for a man, you would be a, you know, top D1 female rower just based on times. Okay, this is, again, objective reality. It's not it's not making a judgment. I, I think women's sports are great. Women's tennis is amazing. You know, women's volleyball is fun to watch. I don't like the WNBA very much, but it doesn't matter. Right. I think it's great. I think women should play sports. I'm all in favor of that. That's fine. And I think that great female athletes should be celebrated as great female athletes. But they are not male athletes. And this idea that we're going to be able to combine these two things and everything's going to be normal is crazy. And what I'm what I was starting out with here by telling you that we're supposed to not observe what is so obvious and observable when you have a, a woman who, who kicks the ball maybe 30 yards and we're all supposed to stand up and clap for this. And this became some big thing in the media. Oh, the first ever woman to play it. OK, she had one kick and it wasn't very good, but we're all supposed to stand and clap. I mean, you could put me in a World Cup match and give me a penalty kick. And believe it or not, I'd probably score penalty kicks. Not very hard to score a penalty kick. And I played a lot of soccer growing up. That doesn't mean I'm a great soccer player. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't mean anything. I mean, these days I could barely move up and down the field. So why do we have to go through this? Why can't we just be honest and objective here, which is that they, they allowed a woman to play in a game where clearly she was not particularly additive. Is that people can't handle this? Why? The broader, the broader theme here, or the more important takeaway from this, because again, I, I don't even really care about college football, and so it's not like I have some issue with that. But the bigger theme that I wanted to get to is merely that don't trust people who won't let you trust yourself. Don't listen to the media when they tell you that what you see and what you know to be true is not true. You can be open to persuasion, but don't allow yourself to be browbeaten. Uh, don't allow yourself to be coerced or pushed into rejecting things that you can tell are true or to accepting things that you know are false. Men are not women and women are not men, for example. You can get in trouble for saying that on social media. Uh, you can get in trouble now just socially in general in a whole lot of places. I don't even know how this works out in a in a workplace situation now. I mean, if you say that, is that a, is that considered a offensive or I, who knows? But it's crazy that anybody has a problem with that. It's a statement of the most objective of facts. It's like saying two plus two equals four. No, the mainstream media wants you to say it's five. And if you won't say it's five or point three or a million, there's something wrong with you. You're a bad person. If you won't stand and cheer and clap for a woman who played in a football game for kicking the for kicking a football one time, not well, there's something wrong with you. You're a misogynist. You're a bad person. Uh, there is a, a real 
war on objective reality that the liberal media and the left is engaged in. Because if there is no objective reality, it's all then just a question of what they're able to control, what they're able to make you do. It doesn't matter what actually it doesn't matter what the results are. It doesn't matter what how it all plays out. They just get to tell you. And your response is, yes, I will do that thing because you tell me to. If you read memoirs of some of the great dissidents in totalitarian states, I mean, Solzhenitsyn is my favorite from within the Soviet Union, but there are many others. You'll see that this is one of the one of the hallmarks of a totalitarian system that you accept as as truth, something that you objectively know is false. The moment that they break you down in that way, the moment that all of a sudden you find yourself saying, well, I don't see it that way. And I know that that's not true, but they're all saying it. So it must be now. Then they've got you. Then you'll say, yeah, school lockdowns are a good idea. Yeah, your mask protects you and my mask protects me. Or is it just now my mask protects you? I can't remember. But I'll forget about what Fauci used to say. I'll forget about these studies that come out that question all of this. I'll forget about the old pandemic playbooks that all these same public health bureaucrats were signing off on for decades that said that what we're doing now is crazy. I forget all of it. That's right, friends. All you have to do for the left to embrace you and for you to be a member in good standing is to say that a female football kicker who shanks the ball 30 yards and gives it to the other team on their 40 yard line is some huge step forward for women. Just just sign on to that. Just start with that. And everything else will follow.